Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Amy Middleton is a Melbourne-based journalist and the founder of Archer magazine. She performed this story at a crossover event between Queer Stories and Archer. Amy has written and edited for dozens of magazines, produced radio for 3CR and Joy FM, and been nominated for Young Australian of the Year. She also plays AFL footy and collects interesting editions of Alice in Wonderland. Amy Middleton. So serious note before I begin reading, um, just a content warning. Um, Firstly, this story discusses my grief following a friend's suicide. Sorry, everyone. Um, And secondly, about halfway through, there's quite a serious accident, so there's some discussions of, like, bodily harm. It's a really fun story. (laughs) No, it is. It's a really happy story in the end, I swear. It starts a bit sad, though, so get ready. I was staying on my own in London when I found out my friend was dead. I was sleeping off my jet lag when I got a Skype call from a writer friend in Melbourne, someone I'm pretty close with but who I knew wouldn't Skype me uh, unless something was wrong. He told me Kat had died. All the writers had come together in Melbourne to be with each other and I spoke to another mate there who sobbed and said he knew how much I loved her. But he didn't really. I don't think anyone did. When I got off the phone, I tried to call my wife, who was touring in Europe, and it was about seven in the morning, our time, so she was deeply sleeping. I called a few more times. It was the most alone I've ever felt. So I sat on the windowsill of my dingy room in this London hotel, looking out over these very English, narrow, brick-walled courtyards, with ancient power lines and overgrown grass, and the occasional restaurant owner just emptying rubbish into an alleyway to break up the mise-en-scene. Super happy times. I'll never forget that view with those stupid brick walls. And I started talking aloud to Kat. Side note here, I'm not a huge fan of travel. It's such a fickle beast. I've actually done heaps of it because privilege. And also because I seem to fall in love with people who like to travel, so I always end up going places with them. Sigh. My life sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually only ever travelled anywhere by myself once. This was that time. I woke up in a shitty hotel room and found out my friend was dead. So I recorded a bit of what I said to Kat on my phone because there was no one else there to listen and it felt very important. I went into the tiny bathroom, which by the way was like the shittest bathroom you can imagine. It had this shower that would pull up to like mid-calf and then would seep out to the bathroom floor and then into the hotel floor and make all the carpet stink. It was really romantic. (laughs) Being in the arts, hey? (laughs) So glamorous. So suffice to say the hotel was in need of an update. So I went to the mirror in this tiny shitty bathroom and I looked myself in the eyes 
And I said aloud to Kat, I loved you, I wanted you. I miss you already, sweetheart. I miss you so much. We were supposed to do so much together. I wanted us to work together. I wanted us to have like heaps more drinks and smokes and coffees together. And now she was gone, she had left and that was it. And that's why death is so baffling and weird. So unsurprisingly, the rest of my stay in London was pretty bleak. I had a couple of meetings I didn't really care about and I caught up with a friend who bought me drinks and tobacco, the only true saviours of somebody who's temporarily hating everything. But when this stupid time in London finished, my wife Cash and I met up and embarked on our honeymoon. I say honeymoon, but it was also a bit of a party travel time with both of Cash's brothers and a pilgrimage to a place where marriage was not only legal at the time for same-sex couples, but also cheap and wonderfully absurd, Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> On our first night in New York, my wife and I climbed to the roof of our Airbnb, looked out over the beautiful Brooklyn sunset and partook in some whiskey and ciggies in Kat's honour. I took photos of this little memorial on my phone, that same phone that housed the audio files of some of the rawest grief I've ever felt in my life. That phone would later be stolen in New Orleans and I had nothing backed up. <laughs> Travel is a fickle beast. A couple nights later, still in New York, we met up with a mate, walked over the Brooklyn Bridge, had dinner, saw some comedy, as you do, and then found a bar to settle in and drink. Now, in the US, they do this thing where they offer you a shot and a beer for basically the same price you'd pay for a pint here in Collingwood. And they also do this other thing where they just free pour all the spirits. Um, and the happier you are, the longer they just keep pouring. So basically, you just get really cooked and you have no fucking idea. So Cash and her brother and I all went back to the Airbnb. Cash and I like to wrestle a bit. You know how you do? I mean, I assume other couples do? <laughs> they do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, like if you're a bit boisterous and you love each other, yeah. <laughs> Super normal. Um, so we were wrestling a bit in the bathroom of the Airbnb, possibly not, in retrospect, so smart, um, when I lost balance and fell backwards into the bathtub. <laughs> Everyone's already... Um, it would have been fine except there was like a soap dish made of porcelain sticking out from the shower. There it is. <laughs> Which I hit with my butt as I fell down and the broken porcelain edge scraped up my back. Keep going. <laughs> uh, and then speared the outside edge of my right arm. I know. So I looked down and saw blood heaving out of my tricep and then it would seem I went into shock. Here's what I remember. Cash got up and gripped my arm and screamed for her brother to call 911. Cash spoke to someone on the phone and winced as she described my wound in detail. Then the apartment filled with cops, yelling at Cash to step away from her, ma'am. <laughs> Cash refused. The ambulance officers eventually turned up and instructed Cash to step away from her, ma'am. So she did, and when they saw my busted arteries and blood spurting everywhere, they said, put your hands back on her, ma'am. 
being lifted out of the bath, wheeled into the street and hoisted into the ambulance, sitting in the back of the ambulance and worrying vaguely about Cash sitting up there in the front and thinking of that awful scene in Love My Way. Do you remember that show with Claudia Carver? I don't even think about it, it's horrible. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Unless you have kids, don't watch it. Um, And I remember hoping like hello that I wasn't about to die. So during all this action and through my shock, I saw her cat. She was like in the bathroom across from me, kind of just gently reminding me to stay focused because people can leave and bad shit can happen. I didn't want to leave and I feel like she knew that and had my back. So I did this thing where I settled into very focused patient mode where I zoned into doing exactly what I was told and not taking any risks and most importantly, not freaking out. So I kept this very relaxed facial expression to keep Cash calm and let her know I was okay. She would later tell me that this attempt to stay zen was actually super creepy. Because <laughs> all I did was stare straight ahead and grin like a clown. <laughs> There's this photo of me being taken off to the ambulance. I'm like, <laughs> it's fucked. Once we were in the emergency room, about 20 doctors descended on me, performed x-ray after x-ray and shouted at each other in a language we couldn't understand. Cash watched on, keeping her cool. Um, At one point, they asked her to step away and I said, would you ask her to step away if she was a man? And the doctor was like, don't do this right now. I was like, cool, cool, sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think it was about 40 minutes or something before someone finally told me that I was probably not going to die and I literally cried with relief. A few hours later when I was all stitched up, 32 all up, because that's the currency of wounds, isn't it? So there was 17 internal and then 15 external, very proud. We asked the staff if we could leave at this point and they asked if I had any idea how high my blood alcohol level was. (laughs) It's the free pour. And I was high on painkillers by this stage and apparently said to the doctors, I'm Australian, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) What a dickhead. So that afternoon, once we got back, uh, Cash wrote home for advice from a mate of ours back in Melbourne who's a nurse. And she sent back an email titled, The Honeymooner's Guide to Wound Care. (laughs) So we continued travelling the States and each morning we'd wake up in our hotel or Airbnb and I'd pop an endone while Cash and her brother carefully dressed my wounds, assessing any progress or change and making recommendations for the way forward. On the day of our wedding in Vegas, we woke up in the Pyramid Hotel and went downstairs to the concierge and said to the person at the desk, we have a few requests. Can you please tell us where we can get a uh, marriage license, get some stitches removed, (laughs) tickets to Britney Spears, um, a very cheap updo, and possibly some cocaine? (laughs) 
We had a $75 ceremony in the Little White Chapel, the understated and frankly underwhelming wedding place of Elvis himself and other notable celebs, Michael Jordan and Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> Got the coke? Our wedding was the most magical six minutes, after which we went and watched Britney perform at the Hard Rock Hotel, which was spectacular. <laughs> Um, the scar is there. It's awesome. Um, I'm, it kind of looks like the Blair Witch Project symbol, if you remember. <laughs> I'm not a tattoo kind of person, so it's a lovely memento of one of the hardest, loneliest, scariest and most beautiful experiences of my life. And as promised, it is a happy story and the overlapping theme is love and how much it whips you for better or worse. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Follow Queer Stories on Facebook for event updates and me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.